Welcome to Monday morning, Out from the Cube, weekly roundup. I appreciate you listening, and I want to start with an apology for last week. I was on the road. If you listened to our weekly roundup last week, I did that from Boulder, Colorado, as I was hiking, not hiking, as I was walking around uh, on a trail. Seemed like a hike to me. So if you're sweating and having a hard time breathing and your legs are cramping up and that's a hike, then I was without question hiking, but it was really a trail by the side of a highway uh, that uh, my mom at 68 years old could probably have done a lot better than I did. But going from St. Louis, and I looked this up at a sea level of around 500 feet to Boulder, Colorado, which is roughly around 5,500 feet, um, there was a big difference in how my body changed that, the shortness of breath and sweating um, and things like that. So, But I, I managed to record a quick you know, weekly roundup last week. I appreciate uh, some of the feedback I got from that episode, and I appreciate people listening to it. And was not able last week to get with a guest. Um, have a number of things uh, lined up for this week that I'm hoping to lock down and solidify. And I did kind of put a teaser out at the end of the last uh, weekly roundup from last week about maybe a special guest that we might be having on here shortly. Uh, hopefully, getting that locked up as well. So a lot of great things happening with the podcast. Um, still continuing to learn and get better, still getting juiced up every day. Uh, one thing that right now, as, as I mentioned that, that I, uh, I'm i going to do, uh, some of the feedback I've received has been kind of centered around, George, what are you doing? And what are you focused on on a weekly basis? And what changes are you kind of seeing in your life? Like what what are the big action items that you're taking away? How has it impacted you? What are the results you're seeing? And things like that. So, you know, one of the things that I'm going to focus on this week, and then I will, I guess, report back next week, is this idea of just getting up and getting motivated from the get-go. Um, and some of the, something I just said previous got, kind of triggered this in my mind, was just the idea of just getting juiced up, motivated, excited, understanding the purpose, understanding some objectives and goals and uh, to-dos for the day, and just getting juiced up about it immediately, or I guess immediately or as quickly as possible. So that is my goal for this week. And one way I know that I'm going to start doing that is my commitment to getting up. I get up early. So it's just something I've always done. I get up roughly between my eyes uh, start to open, even though I may kind of fade back, but I kind of, my eyes start and my mind start moving roughly around 4 a.m. I typically get out of bed somewhere between 4.30, 4.45. But what I do from there doesn't necessarily motivate me or juice me up for the day. Typically that comes around 6.30 to 7 o'clock where I'm like, man, I'm ready to tackle it. I'm ready to go. I'm excited. This is going to be a great week, great day. Great things are going to happen. Um, and really because I spend the first hour to an hour and a half of my day doing unproductive things. And it's okay. I read, uh, wrote something down today. Scrutinize every aspect of your life. And that comes from um, McVeigh, uh, who is, and I, his name is, uh, his first name is escaping me. It may be Todd McVeigh. He's the head football coach at the, with the Los Angeles Rams. He is in a lot, lot of great coaches. Every coach in the NFL, I, I would love to learn from, read from, uh, find literature on what is fascinating about Todd McVeigh is that he became a head coach in the NFL at 32 years old which may uh, be the youngest ever. I think there may have been one coach that got that job at 31 years old. But to be the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams in that environment um, 
and to have the turnaround that that NFL team had at 32 years old is unbelievably fascinating. There is a link uh, if you were to look up on Sports Illustrated about him, uh, how he, and really essentially the article is about how that coach tries to find work-life balance in the NFL where it is a 20-hour workday. And you don't see you you don't see your family except I've read books where people don't see their families until like the Saturday walkthrough. They play Sunday. They may get like a um, a Monday type thing with their family, but then it is like full steam ahead for 16 weeks of the season. But so he, the article is really about work life balance. But he essentially said in the article and looking at my notes here that you have to scrutinize every aspect of your life. And he is on an endless array of potential improvements. And I, that, that juiced me up. And so if I were to scrutinize every aspect of my life and to try to get better at the things that I want to do without question, I would start with my mornings and I would probably start with the first hour and a half where I sit around and cycle through my phone. Make sure the coffee is made. Sit down and see what's going on and who won ball games last night and watching ESPN and then slowly going, okay, I've got to get in the shower. I've got to get to the gym. So one thing I have changed in my life to answer somebody's uh, question on things I'm doing to improve is um, I do believe that I've got to be a lot healthier, uh, a lot more uh, focused on my body and my mind and what I put into it and the exercise and habits that I'm doing that way. And so I am back in the gym uh, every morning. So it's amazing just how small little things, even if it's for 30 minutes, can really change your mind and your mindset and your enthusiasm for the day. So that is one of the things I'm going to do this week is to clean up the first hour and a half, two hours of my day. Um, and so hopefully if you, if you take notes on these podcasts, I know some people do, um, we actually did an episode about taking notes and the importance of it and being able to kind of come back through what you're learning and how to implement things. Um, you know, the, the, the idea of self-improvement of things that you can do better of adjusting the dials just a little bit are important. So, um, had a great week in Colorado though, worked with some amazing people. And I, I sent a note off to somebody I work with and we were kind of going back and forth. And I, I said this in a text message to somebody I work with. And it was, that is without question, my 10 years or so in IT and in software and working with technical and professional teams that last week is probably the best week that I've had uh, ever in, in it, in a professional sense, uh, and working with professional teams just, and I could go into it, uh, a little bit and maybe I will with some of the things that I wanted to cover today, but one of the ideas, and I said it in my podcast, cause I did my podcast late Monday, which gave me a day with the client that I was with, but the theme really for the podcast last week, but also with the client that I was able to work with was, and the theme word without question, the theme word was humility, and just being humble. Um, it was amazing. I was working with highly, uh, um, you know, highly technical people, really driven, have been crushing it with this company for a number of years, have a great product. These people are highly educated, having gone to some of the best schools in the nation from Ivy League schools to very high level technical schools. Uh, it was amazing. The humility that these people showed and that hopefully I showed as well that we all just sat down and said, okay, we don't have all the answers. 
There are things we can do to get better. Um, we brought you in, being me, George, have brought you in to offer a strategy and solutions and suggestions on what we can do to be better. And the idea that we said early in the week last week was, and I love asking this question when I work with people and go work with teams. It's a simple question of, are we capable of more? Are you capable of more? Even if you are, you know, the Golden State Warriors and have won three championships in four years, and you were to go in there and just say, are we capable of more? Are we capable of providing more, of winning more, of uh, enjoying this more, of connecting more, of in, in, in individual improvement more? Like, are we just capable of more? Now, my hope would be is that everybody would say yes, even if you're the Golden State Warriors of your of your category and what you all do for a living. Um, but that mindset of just being, if you can answer, yes, we are capable of more. And then you open yourself up to the idea that you don't have all the answers that somebody else has a different perspective. And even if you disagree with their perspective, but you bring people in, you sit them down, they ask questions of you, they offer solutions, uh, potential solutions and potential considerations and strategies that you are open enough to take all that in. Even if you disagree, uh, I think that's important. And that's what I was very fortunate of last week. And we, I said this a number of times last week of being the suggestion maker. So if you are, uh, there's one thing to be the assistant coach or to be brought in as a consultant, or to be you know, somebody that reports to it where you're a director reporting to a VP or whatever it might be, where you essentially are the suggestion maker. There are, and I've always looked at coaching like this and leadership like this. Somebody's got to make decisions. And we've talked about flat org charts and, and having everybody have this, you know, input and nobody, you know, nobody's got the great parking spot out in front of the building, but we're all working together. But at some point you do need to know who is ultimately making final decisions. You need, you need that level on your org chart that, Hey, when there's disagreement, somebody can step in and make decisions, but that person is the decision maker and other people may be the suggestion makers. And I kind of looked at that last week uh, with the client that I happen to be working with that I'm rolling in and I'm just going to offer as many suggestions as I can and listen and consider the situation they're in and um, maybe uh, some wisdom I might have or experiences I might have or things that I believe in or direction I think they may be able to go down and be able to kind of paint those pictures and ask questions so that they can um, consider things in their mind or consider different strategies. But if everybody approaches it with a sense of humility and humbleness and open to everybody at the table and their ideas and their experiences and how we can get things corrected, um, boy, it really makes for an enjoyable, um, an enjoyable trip. So um, it was, a, again, an, an amazing week last week. So I come back. I did spend a number of uh, some time last week, early in the morning, uh, reading again and listening to some podcasts and some things that I really wanted to make sure that we got through today. Um, here's something kind of coupled with that about the sense of humility. Humility kind of seems to be this uh, key word for the last couple of weeks, whereas self-awareness was kind of a key thing earlier than that. Um, but this came across a podcast today about ego. There's a great book uh, that is highly uh, 
recommended uh, by people that are in self-improvement kind of and business development and IT and leadership and teams, a book called uh, a book called Ego is the Enemy. And I've only read excerpts of it and have not finished it. Um, I've got a number of other books that I'm uh, reading right now. But Ego is the Enemy. But Ego. So if you're taking notes, this is another, if you were taking notes, here are a few things I would already write down. And I'm going to highlight, I have them written down and underlined. I haven't highlighted. So with me, you have to, and this is from McVeigh, is this endless array of potential improvements. Scrutinize every aspect of your life. If you're in this and get juiced up about, and I told this, the company I was with last week, like they're like, they, they feel like they have a lot of improvement that they can make. And I went in with a number of suggestions. But what we did was we painted it backwards from what the best possible outcome and solution looks like. Where will you be uh, 16, 12, you know, 16 months, 12 months, 8 months, 6 months, 3 months? Where, wherever that outcome is, where, let's paint that picture. So when you sit and then let's work our way backwards on how we can get there. What's this team look like? What's your process look like? What's your office look like? What do your teams look like? How do they communicate with one another? How do you communicate with the business? How are you prioritizing work? How are you, how, how much of the work-life balance do, do, do your team members have? How are they coming in juiced up, ready to, ready to roll with the, out, with, the, with the goals and outcomes for the projects they're on? All that was discussed last week, but you have to be able to scrutinize everything scrutinize every aspect of your life. Okay. Uh, so those are two things I'd write down. The third thing I would write down is people ego. People don't want the people below them to be better at something than them. Have you ever been in those situations? Do you work in your cubicle and you report to somebody that doesn't want you to be better at what they are doing? So this idea of, of being kind of pushed down, not being appreciated, not being valued, not being able to learn more, do more, contribute more, because the person that you report to doesn't want you to be better than them, right? And we have all, if you have read books about teams and motivation and leadership, we have all read those stories of the, of the, of the successful stories of the leader and her manager that wants to hire people smarter than him or her, that they want that person where I want people that bring more to this, that bring more to it, that I've got to surround myself with people better than me and having no ego with, I would love to be a basketball coach again. And if I ever were in that position, I actually don't dream about that, wish about that, or even consider it. But if I were ever in that, I would make sure that that when I hire and when I go out and find people, that I find people that are smarter than me in all aspects of running a program, that they would have different experiences and wisdom and thoughts and opinions about, you know, how to set things up, what to do strategy wise, how to communicate, how to, uh, you know, how, how a, a better solution for checking academics, a better solution for recruiting and running camps and speaking and whatever it might be. Like I would have that type of ego. Now I'm not saying I wouldn't have my imprint on everything that we do, that I would be the decision maker and that maybe my ideas are the best ideas on occasion. And maybe most of the time, but I would always be open and receptive to the opinions, thoughts, and ideas of everybody I have. And my hope would be is that, imagine if I were, 
uh, 30 years old and became a head coach, but I could hire a guy that was 50 years old that just wanted to contribute. That actually happened. So what happened is many years ago, um, and it's happened more than just this experience, this time or the thought that came into my mind, but Steve Lavin was a very successful coach and he ended up being the head coach, I believe like at St. John's or something like that later in his career, but he hired his mentor, Gene Cady, and he hired Gene Cady because Gene had all this coach Cady had all this experience and wisdom and, and coach Cady wanted to be around a team. He had retired. He missed that, you know, the day-to-day of being with kids and being in a, in a locker room and being on the road and game planning and watching film and talking shop with other coaches. Like, I miss that stuff too. But he really missed it. And so he hired somebody that was like 20, 30 years older than him for those experiences. And you could essentially say maybe Gene Cady was, you know, smarter than Lavin. But Lavin didn't care. Lavin was just wanted to do what it took to win and to be competitive and build that program up. So how do you think about that as a leader in your industries, in your category, in your vertical? If you've got people below you, are you sitting there saying, I hope they don't get my job or I'm not going to listen to them or I finally got to the top. I am finally in a position that I've worked for for so long that I'm going to do it my way, my way, my way and not have any consideration to other people, other thoughts, or other perspectives. So I challenge you with that. And we'll get into uh, some stuff here in a little bit on some things I've learned uh, even today. But that really resonated with me. The, the article about McVeigh is a phenomenal art. I really enjoyed the article because I really like this idea of people that are really introspective. I really appreciate somebody that gets to the top of his profession at such a young age and doesn't think he knows everything that wakes up at four in the morning or three 30 in the morning and gets to the office at five and is sitting there with this mindset of scrutinizing every single aspect of his life in order to improve, to be a better teacher, be a better coach, be a better leader, be a better motivator, be able to better sell that vision. And he's trying to grind it out every day to figure out what he can do there. Um, Some other things from this week. Um, I'm going to try to make this not as long as some other podcasts, um, although I'm sure uh, that I'm sure I will. But uh, people don't want the people below them to be better at something. So, again, a few things to write down. And I know we've mentioned this, but the whole idea of um, endless array of potential improvement, scrutinizing every aspect of your life. People don't want the people below them to be better at something. I hope I hope you really think about that this week. If you are in a position, a friend of mine uh, uh, that was in coaching was riding in a car, and I've told this story before, I believe, but he was riding in a car with somebody that um, this person uh, is a legendary guy. His name was um, is, is John Lucas. My friend is a guy named Jason. Jason was riding in a car with Lucas, and they and and essentially, I don't know if the. Jason didn't directly report to Lucas, but he was kind of beneath him in terms of a pecking order of, of this uh, group that they worked for. But essentially, Lucas was smart enough, humble enough, um, and such a good guy that he asked Jason, what do you want to do with, uh, you know, what's the next step for you? What do you want to do? What are your goals? Something along those lines. And Jason was very upfront. He looked at him and he said, I want your job. That my next step is I want your job. And it was great because Lucas, instead of sitting there 
being insecure, uh, thinking somebody's going for his job or I need to push him down or not give him as much information or don't let him have as big a voice or as much impact or as much responsibility. Lucas looked at him and said, come and get it. Come and get it. And more so, you come and get it and I'll do everything I can so you get it, so you can get my job. And so the mindset being, you win, I win, and we all win. If you're, if you're good enough to take my job, if I've groomed you or mentored you in such a way that you can get my job, my hope would be is that I've also improved and that I'm ready for my next big jump or going up the ladder and we can continue to do this together. So if, you have, if you're not that insecure, if you can give to the people below you, if you can give them a voice, give them um, a reason to get juiced up every day, that they can come in and be excited about the direction they're going and how they're doing things, um, I'd definitely encourage you to do it that way. So people don't want the people below them to get better at something. And that's really about ego. It's really about insecurity um, and some of those things. So um, here's another thing I would, uh, real quick, this is um, something that came across this morning that I was listening to. And this may not be that deep. This may be something that you listen to and say, okay, I mean, that's, everybody knows that. Um, It's not that big of a deal. But if you're in a cubicle, and you want to get out of this cubicle. And, and, and we understand that it's just that we all work in cubicles and we're not really getting out of them, so to speak. Um, but the, just that whole mindset of being locked in a cubicle every day and not being able to contribute or being valuable. But the reality is this. You've got to do something. We're going to go out and try to do something and try to contribute and try to have a voice and, and try to contribute in these meetings or try to do more with the customer or, or try to make extra calls and do all that. And then we don't see the results that we want to see. And so we just give up. So something I will get into here in a little bit is number one. uh, uh, So I'm going to bounce a little bit and hopefully I can keep my thoughts straight as I bounce back to it. But you should go to Warren Buffett's Twitter page and look at his timeline. Well, I did that this morning. I looked at Warren Buffett's timeline and was really fascinated by everything he puts in there about teams and self-improvement and leadership and thoughts and um, you know outcomes, all those sort of things. But one of the things he said is why people give up. Why? And he had a list of about 10 or so things here about why people give up. And we'll go through these at a later time. But the one thing I wanted to go through that he did say was one, <coughs> excuse me, one reason why people give up is they expect fast results. And when they don't get them, they quit or it's not worth it anymore. Okay. So let me ask you this. I'm going to circle back to repetition, not because this was my initial thought a couple minutes ago is that we, when we, when I work out with kids and when I am training kids in terms of basketball, I show them the correct way to do something and I'll sit there with them until they can do it over and over and over again. And what I essentially, let me give let me paint a better scenario in terms of basketball. When I started working with my kids every day, I work with my kids every day. Some of you know uh, that I have like a nine and a 10 year old, two boys. And we started working out when one was four and when one was five. And we started with super simple things. And, but when it came just relative, relative to shooting a basketball, I wanted to make sure they did it correctly. And it took a long time. 
how to hold the ball, how to have your feet, how to have your hips, your shoulders, where your eyes are, how to hold the ball relative to your elbow, your wrist, how the ball floats off your fingers, how you finish your shot, fingers down, other hand straight, thumb pointed at the forehead, finishing with your elbow, but like all this sort of stuff, right? That is important on how to shoot a basketball. Once they did it a few times, I was like, okay, now we've got to do that like 10,000, a million. We've got to replicate that over and over and over again. It's not so much that we do something great once. It's not even so great that we do something great 10 times or 100 times. It's not if you're sitting in your cubicle trying to do great things for your company, for your clients, for your team, for your boss, whatever it might be, and you figure out how to replicate the correct process, it doesn't happen once and we're great. 10 and we're great, 100 and we're great. It is the repetition, repetition. So let me let me throw out a coaching phrase. So coaches take this, leaders take this, CEOs take this, executives take this phrase. I guess I would write this down. I, I don't have it written down in my notes, it's in my head. Repetition is the mother of skill. We are all trying to be skilled at something with our work. This isn't about shooting a basketball. This is not at all about shooting a basketball or playing soccer or doing anything athletic related. These are repetition is the skill. What is the skill? It could be something relative to IT. It could be process. It could be leadership. It could be how to motivate. It could be any number of things relative to our professional careers. It could be contributing in a meeting. It could be staying, you know, making an extra phone call. It could be being with a client and taking them out to, you know, and connecting with a client where you're not feeling like you're selling something, but you're just trying to problem solve and making sure that you hear them. Those are skills. There's only one way to get really good at a skill, and that is repetition. Repetition, repetition. And, And it does us, and the example I give with super young kids is you, how great are we at tying our shoes? And all these little five year olds raise their hand, I can do it. And then I ask them, what if, what if your, fo- your parents, your folks had taught you how to tie your shoes incorrectly and they always came untied or they were always in a knot or they weren't whatever it was, right? And I asked them that and they were like, well, it does us no good to learn how to do something incorrectly and then do it over and over and over again, right? So repetition, but correct repetition. It is not an athletic thing. That is a business life getting out of your cubicle ideal. And so what I encourage you is to not, to what Warren Buffett says is the number one reason why people quit is because they do, they expect faster results. They expect faster results. We should, the thing why Gary Vee says he is so uh, successful and has such a voice and people listen to him is because he, ha- he does two things better than anything. He is persistence and he is patient. Persistence and patience. That is why Gary Vee says he is great, and that's why he says successful people are great, is that they are going to grind it every single day. They are going to be persistent. They know that it's not going to be one month, three months, five months, six months to success. You could even sit there and say, you know what? This is the correct way of doing things. This process of doing X, Y, and Z, I'm going down this road because I know it's correct and I feel good about it and we've streamlined it. And we may not find the success of this to our team, our product, our clients. We may not find the success to this for six months, eight months, 12 months, 16 months. 
but we know it's right. We know it's correct. We know we're shooting the ball correct. We know we're tying our shoes correct. And now we just got to grind it over and over and over again until we master it. So repetition is the mother of skill. Repetition is the mother of skill. So I am going to jump on this real quick as we uh, as I pivot to a few of these notes um, from last week uh, to to this. Let me let me just throw another saying out. Not and and this is this is built off of what we just talked about. But nothing great is easy. Nothing great is easy. I would write that down. I know that's a very simple saying. But anything great, if you're going to change your company, if you're going to change your culture, if you're going to change how your clients view you, if you're going to open up your network, if your pipeline's going to grow, all those things that you want for your business, if you want that phone ringing off the hook where you have to turn business away, if you want to get out of your cubicle and you want to be a director, a VP, a CTO, whatever it might be, nothing great is easy. And most people are going to quit before they get there. Most people are going to see how long it takes, that they don't have the persistence. They don't have the patience. They, don't, they are not repeating the necessary skills over and over and over again to be rewarded with those things, those positions, those clients, those sales, those products, that recognition, that, that you have not repeated those skills enough to be rewarded for that, right? So if you're good enough, you will win. To circle back to another podcast a couple weeks ago with some other notes. If you're good enough, you'll win. And it, but the winning takes time. And the winning, the winning is not going to happen this week, next week. That you've just got to grind. And then when you get your win, you got to figure out what the next victory is. It, that it's a never end. It's a never that that you don't get complacent. That you know that it's never ending. That there's always something great to achieve and something to provide value for. So let me let me circle back to this Warren Buffett thing. Go to his website, go to his Twitter account and go to his timeline and just cycle through and go back six months. Go back, go, it's August, go back to like March or April and just cycle through and just, you know, kind of roll the, roll the wheel on the, 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 the mouse and just really look at it. He does a great job of giving these lists um, and some bullet points like um, right here in front of me, why people give up, you know, 10 reasons why people give up. You know, they expect fast results. They get stuck in the past. They dwell on their mistakes. Like, just look at some of the things that he does. And I'm going to, that's going to be part of my cycle and system with my daily thing, because there's so much in there and there's so much to consider. But I wanted to just focus on a few things here. He did one, and I've got uh, three or four things written down uh, that I wanted to cover. But one of them, uh, to only get to one, because I know I could get long with all of them, um, but the one I wanted to get to was advice for youngsters. And when I read his advice for youngsters this morning, it essentially told right when I was done looking at it, I said, that's not advice for youngsters. That's advice for everybody. That's advice for a parent. That's advice for a coach. That's advice for an individual, an individual, excuse me. And it's an advice for a leader. Um, it's advice for everybody that is trying to get out of their cube. It's advice for everybody that is sitting to trying to figure out a better way and to have more purpose and to be more driven and, uh, um, you know, knock things out that they want to do professionally and per- uh, personally. But so I'm not going to go through this whole list here. There are a few things that I'm really into as I read this. I'm going to re- I'm going to read you the list and then I'm going to circle back to the three that I would like to, uh, the four that I'd like to talk about. The first one is advice for uh, advice for youngsters. Uh, Warren Buffett. Number one, read and write more. Two, stay healthy and fit. Three, networking. Four, uh, I'm sorry. 
Three, networking is about giving, not just networking, but networking is about giving. Four, practice public speaking. Five, stay teachable. Six, find a mentor. Seven, keep in touch with your friends. Eight, uh, you are not your job. Nine, know when to leave. And 10, don't spend what you don't have. So really what I wanted to look at here, and I know that's quick, um, uh, go to his uh, Twitter feed and you can look for this. It's down probably four or five months, I think, on his on his timeline. But I wanted to really look at um, a few of these. One, uh, the, the four that I want to look at real quick, read and write more. Networking is about giving. Stay teachable and find a mentor. So those were the advice for youngsters that he says, which are without question, valuable and important for young for young kids that are just getting into the workforce, young kids that are going into college, young kids in high school, whatever it might be. Like and I like I mentioned earlier, I've got two young boys. That's a great list for them. If I could have my kids have a passion for reading and writing and doing it more often and sitting down and knowing how to grab a book, knowing how to articulate some thoughts, knowing how to write down some notes and figure out what's important and how they can reference it, knowing that that networking is about giving if I could have my kids know that, that it's not just important to build a network up to get, 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 find a job, find a position, get a salary, but that it's about connecting with people and finding out maybe pains they have, uh, which we'll get into. And then this idea of staying teachable, being coachable, not knowing, being humble. And then the last one about being a mentor. So if I were to circle back or not being a mentor, but being a mentor and also uh, finding a mentor. But if I were to circle back to the first one where we just talk about reading and writing. Now, how is that important if, for youngsters? But how is it important for a 45-year-old that's still just trying to figure things out and trying to get better, try to be more, have more influence and more of an impact and provide more value? I said in an earlier podcast from uh, my days in coaching, it was told to me um, that there's only two things that change your life. And we've talked about this before. The two things that change your life are the books you read and the people you meet. So the first two things on this list are read and write more. The second thing is network. network networking is about giving. So networking to meet people, to meet people, to change your life, to learn more, to figure out other people's pains, to figure out other strategies and solutions, perspectives and, and opinions, right? That can impact my life. Like I have met people this year 2018 that have had a profound impact on my life and how I and how I improve on how I structure my day and how I communicate and how I parent my kids and and how I work with my community here where I live how I work with the people at work like I've met people like that that have had that Im immense and valuable impact um, just by the people I meet on uh, and then on the other side, I've had these great experiences by being, by finding great books to read, by investing in that time uh, to find time to get into books, to find the right books, to get engaged with the content and get engaged with the authors and to be able to take notes on that things and then implement those things into my life. So the books I read and the people I meet. So let me, I, I will say this, uh, watched a video this morning, all this stuff, reading and reading and writing. When do we have time for that? All this other stuff that we do. Um, one of the things I learned this year is if you don't, if it is a priority in your life, something you want to do, and you don't have time for it, 
then you are really bad at prioritizing. There is more than enough time in a day to knock out what is valuable and important to you. If it is reading, if it is writing, if it is listening to podcasts, if it is spending time with your kids, for me, it's spending time with my kids doing basketball. And so I make those a priority. Nothing gets in the way of certain things because they are at the top of the list and I always make time for them. If I make time for other things, then other things may go away. I used to play the guitar for like an hour, an hour and a half every morning. Every morning. For many years, I played my guitar. All of a sudden, it's not as important as being with my kids, reading, taking notes, listening to podcasts, setting my day up in terms of prioritization and what needs to happen. So that that had to go away because there's only so much time. Gary V in an interview this morning that I read asked a lady, uh, she was having a hard time prioritizing, finding things to do and, 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 um, and organizing her day. And Gary V essentially asked her, how many hours do you have to sleep? How many hours of sleep do you need? She said, I have to have seven. He was like, perfect. There's seven hours taken up that you just have to sleep and you, you require yourself to get seven hours of sleep. Okay. What are we doing with the other, what are we doing with the other 17? There's 17 other hours in the day. There's 17 remaining hours. The thing that I'm really bad at, and I'm going to be transparent, honest, vulnerable, accountable, whatever, what I'm really bad at, and the reason why I think that I haven't made huge strides in other parts of my professional life is simply because of what I do from eight to midnight, to be totally honest with you. Because I don't prioritize that time. That time is like that. You know, uh, I read a book where it was talking about like I have uh, people have this cell in their brain that where it's an empty compartment. There's nothing in their brain and they go to this nothing compartment at certain times of their day when they check out, cash out and are just done for the day. When I put my kids to bed and or if it's just me and it's eight o'clock, I'm done. But I could sit there and say, man, that four hours, that eight to 12 is really valuable. And I'm burning it, right? Because I don't need that much sleep. I could get up at six, right? But what's what I do with that time. So we all have the time. It's just a matter of prioritizing the work within that time and figuring out what's important and trying to execute on it. So, and I, and I circle back, what's that have to do with anything? It's finding the time to read and write. If that is, that this is what the Warren Buffett says we should all be doing not just youngsters, but everybody. We should be reading and writing more and finding the time to do these things. The second thing is about networking, is about giving. And I kind of said this already, but the networking idea is about giving. And it's not just networking. He didn't just put networking in there, going out and networking and meeting people. But it's about meeting people with the right intention. And the intention being, I'm going to meet people not so I get something, not so I meet somebody at this place or that place or that CTO or VP with this company that could lead me to this job or could get me an interview there. It's about what I can do for them. Can I meet somebody that I can provide value to, that I can give something to, whether that be my time, my experience, my perspective, opinion? How can I meet people to help them to just listen to them? I go to a fair amount of networking events. And it seems to be, you know, the question at networking events, what do you do? What do you do? What's your perfect referral look like? I kept hearing that the networking event I was at two weeks ago. What's the perfect referral look like for you? Right? So but people are trying to give. They want to know what you do. How can I help you? Who am I connected with you need to meet? I walked into this networking event last week and met the keynote guy. 
the guy that runs it. He's run it for seven or eight years. It's one of the largest networking events in St. Louis. And I walked up to him and I understand this gentleman's busy and he had a number of people kind of pulling at him, but I just had a cup of coffee. He walked up to me. I shook his hand, introduced myself. And he said, you know, what's the perfect referral for you? Who can I connect you with here? What industry are you in? You know, what are you looking to get for the next five years? Just went all out. This is the main guy. And I told him what I did, told him about the podcast, which then he agreed, hey, I'd like to be on that. Like, and I'm like, hey, we're just getting this sucker going. He goes, it doesn't matter to me, right? You just know when you meet those people that, that are just totally humble, not above themselves, just want to provide value to other people and have the time in which to do it. It was amazing. But he essentially yelled across the room, hey, Johnny, come over here. This guy comes running over and he introduces him, uh, himself to me and we end up talking for 20 minutes because we were both IT people, right? But it's about giving. It's about that guy connecting with me and saying, "Who? what can I do for you? So networking without wanting something, but networking to give, networking to give. The last two, and then I'll wrap some things up, but stay teachable. We've talked a lot about this. The whole mindset is, I don't care if you went to an Ivy League school or you know, one of the best schools around or whatever it is, and you think you're smarter than everybody else, but you have the mindset of always to learn. So in another podcast, we talked about George Raveling. George Raveling gave a great interview with Tim Ferriss uh, a number of weeks ago. And if you haven't listened to it, go to Tim Ferriss podcast, find the George Raveling. He has some great stories up front about the civil rights movement of the 60s and Martin Luther King. And then he just has some great experiences about and ideas and opinions about note taking and being present and, um, um, you know, and books and things of that nature. But George Raveling was really good because what he said that resonated with me. Understand, if you don't know who George Raveling is, that's fine. He's really successful. He's really made an impact on teams and organizations and business and kids in terms of basketball. And he's phenomenal. And he's probably in his late 70s or something like that. But essentially what he said was this. I've learned the most in my life from 60 to 80 years old. That's when I've learned the most. And he's so passionate every day to wake up and get an opportunity to learn more. This is a guy that has just knocked it out. This is a guy that is connected, has learned so much, has gone through so much in his life, has provided so much more to kids and to organizations, but he is still sitting around saying, I learned the most in my life from 60 to 80 years old than I did at any other time in my life. Most 60-year-olds are sitting around, think they have it all, or the people that have had that level of success, that they're not sitting around. They're still not passionate about what they can offer life and what life has to offer to them. They just don't. But here's a gentleman that is just sitting around saying, man, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. Here's the other thing he said. And this, 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 these are the things, podcasting, books, people you meet. It's all about learning and figuring out to talk about what McVeigh says scrutinize every aspect of your life. George Raveling goes nowhere without a notebook to take notes in, and he goes nowhere without a book he's currently reading. Those two things are always on him. He's always ready to learn. He's always ready to fill time with knowledge, and he's always ready to learn from somebody, take notes so he can refer back to it and improve himself. Like that type of stuff really juices me up. 
right? Because here's an 80-year-old that still thinks he's got a lot to learn. And by learning more and meeting more people and reading more books and having different experiences, that he can have more of an impact on the people in his life and his community and the people he's surrounded by. Like, I think that's very powerful stuff. But this idea of always staying teachable or coachable. The other one and the last one, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, is to find a mentor. Look for people in your industry. If you're sitting in a cubicle and that guy in that corner office is the one that you want or that's the next step you have, then you need to go ask him if he'll tell you, if you can go out to lunch with him. Tell him what your goals are, your mission, your, your purpose, the direction you'd like your career to go and say, you know what, you're somebody that I look up to. You're a position that I'd like to be. You have experiences I'd like to have. You're in the meetings I'd like to uh, attend so I can just learn who those people are, what they're doing and how they're doing it and ask for that time. And most, you have, you have to ask for that time. Most people would be willing to give up that time to, to, to share their experiences, to help people, but most people won't. Alan Stein said this a few months ago when we talked about mentoring. It's like most people... If you go to a bar, the best looking girl in the bar never gets asked out because people don't think they have a chance, have a shot at dating a girl like that, right? That idea, those, those people that are super successful may never get asked that question. They may never get asked that question to, to be a mentor, to have lunch, to talk about their experiences. And maybe you just need the guts to get out of your cubicle and go up and find somebody to go out to lunch with and talk about the direction you want your career and life to go. So go, go to Warren Buffett's Twitter page, advice for youngsters, read and there's 10 of them, but read and write more. Networking is about giving, stay teachable and find a mentor were the big things that I took away from that. There's a lot more that I learned this past week, but I know that's long. Um, I really had a great week. There's something about being people that being around people, organizations, executives that are humble, don't think they have the right answers, are open and receptive to everybody's ideas, not just the consultant that rolls in, but everybody sitting around a table with their notebooks open with a dry erase board brainstorming on how we can get this ship going in a better direction without blame, without ego, um, with just ideas and considering every idea and considering every outcome and how we want to turn this thing around. It's a powerful thing. And those are the companies that are going to execute and crush it where there's no ego. But then after that, there's a strong uh, and determined uh, step to accountability and execution, which we can get into, making sure that you have steps of accountability and execution and and um, and action of getting these things done. So, listen, it was a great week. Uh, great week. Um, I hope you've had a great week. It's Monday. I'm sorry, I'm getting this out a little bit later on a Monday, um, uh, but I uh, there's some great things coming up this week with the podcast. We have some great asks out there of a number of people. I hope you enjoy this. Here are my asks of you. Um, and I'll do be real quick with it, but just please subscribe. Please share the podcast with people. It really means a lot. It is really getting some good juice to it. it um, the needle is moving a little bit. It's not where we hope it will be, but it is definitely far exceeded what we thought it would be. And because of that, we're getting, you know, uh, great connections, uh, great networking. Uh, we're having great conversations uh, on on the back end of this, and it's really been great. Um, the second thing is, um, if you if you please just reach out to me on Twitter or LinkedIn, um, I would appreciate the conversation. 
LinkedIn is um, George Evian, E-V-J-E-N. And again, please share. And if uh, please share, please subscribe. And I guess the last one is to, to piggyback on the networking is giving. I love networking. I love meeting people. I love pe- meeting people that have an impact on my life that help me change it and help me mess around with the dials on my life so I'm more accountable to other people and myself. And I say that that networking is giving. Please reach out to us on LinkedIn. Please reach out to us on Twitter. And it's not about business. It's not about anything about contracts or SOWs or anything. What it really is about, it's about connecting and giving to one another. It's about having a conversation. So all that being said, reach out to me. Let us know how we can help you. And that help might be a cup of coffee and a discussion, um, a different perspective, a different opinion, a different way to think about your team, your individuals, your uh, business, um, whatever it might be. Um, We'd love to have those conversations. And thank you to the people that have actually taken me up on that. It has really been great having those conversations and then hearing back on on how things are going and uh, the, the different routes that your company is taking. So it's really been great. So all that being said, listen, have a great week. It's Monday. Again, I'm sorry I got this out a little later. I'm super excited about this week. That's one reason why we put this out on Monday is selfishly to get juiced up and fired up about a Monday, um, about the great things that are going to happen this week. I said this in a podcast a couple weeks ago, and I believe this. We are so blind to all the great things that happen to us every day that we stop seeing that they're great. Instead, I would challenge you that there are at least three great things that are happening today to you professionally and personally, three great things. And my encouragement would be is to not be blind to those things. There are at least three great things happening to you professionally and personally today, even if it's a cruddy day. And I encourage us all to open our eyes up to those three great things. And I'd encourage you to write them down. And I'd I'd sit down because then our eyes are more open to the great things that are happening. You're going to write down every day. You're going to write three things down every day. And then by the end of the week, you're going to sit there and say, man, these 20 great things, these, these 21 great things happened this week to me. And then we can get into all the sense of gratitude and feeling appreciative. But then our mind and our eyes and our mind are more open to the great things that are happening because I think it's happening. And it's only Monday, and I know great things are happening this week for for me, for my children, for my family, my community, my business, the people I work with. I just know it's happening. So it's going to be a phenomenal week. Let us know how we can help you and reach out to me on Twitter. And everybody have a great week. And look look forward to later this week um, another episode with a guest that we'll have. we got some asks out there, and they'll be uh, rounding those up shortly. Have a great week, everybody. Oh, 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 oh,